Hey, hello, hi. Welcome to and are back to the Equitheory podcast. I am your host, Jill Treese, and on this week's episode, I just kind of want to talk about some of the struggles and also awesome parts that come with owning and taking care of animals, and also really want to discuss the importance of an animal's emotional state and how that can impact their physical state and how important it is to consider that, especially when making some changes. So let's just get into it. Okay, here we go. Okay, so before we get into the main part of the episode, I just kind of want to run through some updates and then we'll get to the patron ad, which is currently not formatted for how this podcast is going and that will make sense in a moment. So some of you may have noticed if you used Anchor as your listening service that my podcast, the new episodes aren't showing up Um, and I, I thought that they would keep showing it after I switched hosts, but um, I guess not. So thank you for being petty, Anchor, whatever. Um, So if you use Anchor as your primary source, which I guess you've probably already figured out if you're listening to this, that it doesn't work anymore. Um, But I switched over to Buzzsprout. Um, I was having some issues uh, on the interface and financial side with Anchor. So I switched to Buzzsprout. So the ads may be changing a little bit here and there um, because they have to do like campaigns and stuff. It's all stuff that doesn't matter to you, but just giving you a heads up that that's going to be different. Um, And (laughs) I believe the patron intro says like, the last ad for today is whatever. I tried to cut it out of all the other episodes um, and streamline it. So in short, I have been doing a ton of revamping on the podcast like I have spent multiple full days sitting at my computer working on the podcast trying to bring you guys the best quality I can and make sure that everything is streamlined and nothing is weird um you know like if I switched and it was like hey let's get into the ads and then there are no ads you know so I had to go through every episode and cut that out and import them all move them over and it was just a long process so I have done that. And um, the other thing that I am working on is the Equitheory YouTube channel. So I will be uploading the podcast episodes there. As of right now, it's probably just going to be audio. Um, but if you guys want to subscribe to that, just as another platform to remind you <laughs> that the uh, the episodes are out and you can listen on YouTube and that will probably give me the best shot at having ads, actually. Um, But anyway, trying to make money uh, so that I can keep doing this. Um, And you guys on Patreon are helping endlessly with that. But um, I may in the future do videos, but it just... It depends on how much effort that's going to take because if I – because usually I record the episodes like super late at night and I like don't have makeup on and it's dark and I don't want to set up a camera and my batteries don't last very long and I normally record for two hours and then that's footage and the upload and so I don't know. Maybe if the podcast grows – sorry, like choking. Um, if the podcast grows a lot, um, then maybe we'll start doing that. But for now, we're probably just going to keep it audio but um, – You know, we lost Anchor, so we're going to gain YouTube uh, as another place that you can listen. Um, So, yeah, there's that. But I think that that is about it for the updates. Oh, wait, except I'm working on merch. 
I am getting it. It's going. I am working with my wonderful designer and we are coming up with, um, you know, just making sure that the logos are everything that we want them to be and making them high quality and all that good stuff. So merch will be coming soon. Promise. Um, I've got some up right now, but I would not recommend buying it until there's all the designs so you can choose, you know, which design you like best, whatever. So um, that will be another way that you can support if you guys want to. Um, so just keep on the lookout for that. It'll probably be up in the next two weeks or so. Um, I've got a lot going on, but um yeah, so there's that. I think that's about all for updates. I just, I have been grinding like a mofo trying to get, you know, everything together. There are so many like little things on the backside and it just, it takes all day. It's so ridiculous. Like just going through every episode and cutting out the tail end, like just a couple of seconds or the beginning where I say the ads thing and Ugh, it has been a process. So if some stuff is a little messed up, shoot me an email and let me know and I'll fix it. Um, because it's been really tedious work. So I inevitably missed something somewhere. If a link doesn't work, just let me know and I'll change it and send you the right one. Um, but anyway, I am now going to um, posthumously, <laughs> I'm not dead, but going to read the patron ad and then we'll get into the content. So let's get to it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So the last ad before we jump into the content is one where you can support me and the horses directly. If you're willing and able, check us out at Equitheory on your Patreon app or at patreon.com slash Equitheory. When you become a patron of the podcast, you can ask me questions that I'll answer on the podcast for just $5 a month. And at the $10 tier, you can receive merch and have access to live Q&A events, which means you get your questions answered in real time. And at the higher tiers, you have the option for phone call consults with me on air or privately, as well as access to online training with me, depending on your tier. Sounds like a lot of fun to me. <laughs> but lastly, you should know, should you decide to become a patron, you can cancel at any time or subscribe and unsubscribe as you please or as you're able. And if you can't support us through Patreon, no worries at all whatsoever. Listening alone is more than enough. I just want to say thank you to all the current and future patrons. Me and the ponies appreciate it endlessly. But anyway, I'm going to stop talking and we're going to get into the part where I talk about things that you're actually interested in. <laughs> okay, so... Yeah, this this episode on our pets and the difficulties that they pose and emotional <laughs> emotional impact on physical is um, is going to be an interesting one. But it does begin with a bit of a recountance. So um, we decided to move some horses around um, just because we've had some that have left or moved for whatever reason and. Um, we just needed to do a shuffle to, you know, give some paddocks a break and let, um, 
some horses go in with other ones. And uh, anyway, we just needed to move a bunch of horses. So um, important characters in this story. Um, Lexi, she is a three-year-old unbroke thoroughbred. She is the sweetest thing in the entire world. I absolutely love her. And she reminds me a lot of Zoe. And I'm trying very hard not to add her to my <laughs> queue of horses. Um, but she... Um, she didn't go to the track. She's a thoroughbred, but she didn't race because she's she was little. And now she's the same height as her brother, uh, Teddy, who actually did race. Um, but she she never went to the track, so she didn't get broke. And, um, you know, when I first moved out here, I wasn't about to do that. Um, so now she's become my responsibility. And, um, you know, me and my boss went to this Ida Hammer clinic in Fayetteville. And um, we had a lot of time to talk and like plan out where we wanted to move horses and plans for, you know, what I need to do work-wise and um, which horses need help and which ones I need to work with, blah, blah, blah. So, um, we also, by the way, I'm sorry, tangent, but um, a lot of you keep asking me about um, doing the hoof podcast because I, I want to talk all things hoof. And I do plan on having Alicia Harlov on soon to talk about that sort of thing. Um, I'm going to have to work with her schedule and my schedule has been stupid lately. Um, but yeah, I really wanted to do like an episode on the Ida Hammer Clinic, but it's kind of hard to do that without just like essentially giving you her clinic, you know, because I mean, she works hard for that. And she doesn't allow recordings or anything like that. Like we couldn't take any videos. And I get it. I wouldn't do that either. Because then, you know, people just upload and post your thing and could get misconstrued out of context and everything. So um totally get that. And also it's her livelihood. And for people to be if you could get it for free, why would you pay her? So totally understand that there. So I'm kind of trying to give it some distance so I can incorporate some other things. And then she'll just be a part of that. Um but I highly recommend looking into her stuff if you are interested in hoof care. And so some good names to look into are um, Alicia Harlov, obviously, Ida Hammer, and Pete Ramey. Those are some great people. Um, but I do plan on making a podcast about that soon. But if you want the condensed version, take the sugar and starch out of your horse's diet. It needs to be, in my opinion, needs to be under 12%, which is how you feed an insulin-resistant horse. Um, but low starch, low sugar is considered to be under 22%, I think. But our feed is uh, 10%. So um, NSC is what you call that. Um, and it's starch plus sugar. So if you look at your feed tag and there's a label. It'll say like 6% sugar and 10% starch or whatever. Um, and then you get that. So you want that number to equal less than 12, in my opinion, um, because horses' bodies are not meant to process sugar. And that does a lot of really bad things to their gut health and their hoof health. And you get a lot of problems like thrush and white line and all of that. A lot of that stems from poor nutrition. Um, but Anyway, that's not this podcast. It'll come, but that is my my little tidbit. Um, if you want more on that, I think I wrote a longer post on my Instagram, the Jet Equithery Instagram. There's a picture of Zoe's hoof. It's a very obvious picture. Um, and uh, yeah, so you can read about that. But anyway... Yeah, so we're on our way back from this clinic and talking about like what we want to do at the farm and some changes we want to make. And um, so... It's important to understand that we have like a row of paddocks. There's one, two, and then three is the arena, and then four is another paddock. And then behind those paddocks, there is one big paddock. Um, so 
I don't know if you can conceptualize that, but essentially there's a row of four and then one behind that covers three. So I don't know if that makes any sense, but the first paddock doesn't have anything behind it. So if you can picture in your mind's eye, Lexi and Teddy are in the second pasture. Um, So we got back to the farm and we moved Doc and Leo back behind them in the big paddock and everything seemed fine. So, uh, my boss left and, um, I went to go get food cause I hadn't eaten all day and I had a meeting with a professor via zoom, of course. Um, and so I was like rushing to go get food and it's like, you know, 25 to 30 minutes away. And so I'm just about to get there. And then I get a call from the people that feed and they were like, Hey, Lexi is calling really badly. You need to get back here. And I was like, shit. So, um, I was like, I'm not going to have any other time to get food. And so I like, sprinted inside (laughs) to get food i was like you gotta go give me the food and so they did and then i hustled back and then somehow made it back here in like 15 minutes please don't report that to law enforcement um but i flew home and the thing that was making me panic the most is that lexi is terrified of shots and this has been something that has been on my list to work with her on but you know it's not a big deal until it's a big deal. So um, when they had to like pull Coggins on her and give her her vaccinations and everything, she about killed my boss and the vet because she is terrified of them. And uh, so I'd been working with her like kind of in passing, but I hadn't really gotten anywhere, (laughs) I guess is a fair statement. Um, So I'm like, and I had to give her banamine because that's, that's what we had here. And um, she's also never been off the property. She doesn't know how to load or trailer or anything like that. So it wasn't like we could take her to the vet. Um, so I'm like in a dead panic. And, um, so I was like, okay, calm down before you enter the horse, <laughs> you know, the paddock with them. And so I've got the banamine, which is a muscle relaxer, if you don't know. Um, and so we went in and, um, Jeremy, the guy that feeds, he's walking her around and, uh, I walked in there and she, like, she was just like tripping sideways. Like she was trying to go down so hard on top of both of us. Like she was falling into us trying to lay down so hard. It was so sad. And I was like, there's no way I can give her a shot. And he was like, well, she's been still at some point in this. So maybe um, we'll find that spot again if she's like cramping or something that it'll let up. So he just kind of walked her around and we tried to keep her on her feet. And then eventually she just got really still. And I was like, okay, here's my chance. Couldn't find it on the side that I'm supposed to because I'm right handed. So I normally go on their left side and um, couldn't find it. But for some reason, I always seem to get it on the other side. So um, I go to her other side and I'm like, like panicking because I'm like, I, that there's going to be a front foot coming at me. Uh, like I, I don't, I just, I don't want to, you know, lose my kneecaps in the process. Um, so I put my finger and find the vein and, um, you know, I, right before I stuck it in, I kind of squeeze slowly with my other hands to kind of like, let her know, I, I don't know my logic there, but to let her know that something's coming, it's about to happen. And also so that she would be prepared for, you know, something in that area. That was my logic and the panic mode that I was in. And I stuck it in, hit the vein the first try and got the medicine in her. And she just went right back to normal. She was perfect. And I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe that just happened. I seriously like flip shit for like an hour because I could not believe that she just let me do that. I was like, that was crazy. Maybe 
you know, she'll have a, such a good association with being in such an atten- intense amount of pain, got the shot, and then uh, she felt instantly better. And maybe that will fix this issue that we've been having. And I got so excited and I was so happy for her, so proud of her that she let me do that. And um, I just like could not stop raving about it. I was so excited. And um, and I was like, yeah, saved her life. Yeah, just did all in a day's work. <laughs> and I was feeling so good. And she like started munching on some hay and we just decided not to give her any grain because we didn't want her to get like an impaction or anything. And, um, and I kept checking on her because I had my Zoom meeting. So I you know, turn off my camera and get up and go look at her and make sure she's still standing. And everything was fine. My Zoom meeting started at six and ended at like 930. <sighs> Professors. <laughs> um, but anyway, so then uh, my buddy that was here with me, she was like, I kind of want to talk about And I was like, I could go for Taco Bell. So then I was like, let me go check on Lexi one more time and then we'll go. And I went outside <laughs> and um, walked out there in like my slides, like I was not wearing boots and cause I didn't expect anything to be wrong and, uh, I couldn't find her <laughs> and, uh, it was like pitch black outside. And so I turned my phone flashlight on and then I saw a little figure on the ground and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And, um, I walked up to her and she, uh, like bent back and touched her nose to her stomach. And I was like, shit. And then she stood up and I was like, okay, well, maybe we're good. And then she started walking around and then she started trying to go down again. And I'm like yelling at my non-horsey friend. I was like, go get a halter. And so she, I'm like, you know, walking around behind Lexi, just kind of trying to keep her up. And um, my friend comes back and she's like, did you need the rope thing? And I was like, oh my God, you're kidding. <laughs> so she had to go back and get the rope. And it was just a process of me like yelling at her to go get things. And because um, she doesn't know anything about horses. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. You're having to deal with this right now. Um, and anyway, so then I called the people that work here and I was like, I hate to do this, but you guys got to come up here. Um, so they showed up and I'm walking this colicking horse around in my slides <laughs> and the horse in the paddock next to us is sprinting around and running. And, you know, if you remember, we just put two horses in the pasture behind her and they're like, what's going on? Who are these people out here? You know, there's a lot going on. And so Jeremy gets up there and I'm like, walk her. I'm going to go get a shot and we're going to try it again. I don't know if we're going to be able to do it the second time. So I like sprint back to the the barn and make up the shot. And, um, I'm on the phone with my boss, like trying to figure out what, you know, what we're supposed to do, if I can give her a shot, if it's been long enough. Um, and so, She's on the phone with the vet and like all this is going on. It was very stressful. Um, and so finally I get boots on actually so I wouldn't lose a toe um, and get the shot and head back over there. And, um, you know, she's not doing so hot. And I was like, okay, so I and I tried to give her the shot and she just was not having it. And, um, the first time I did it, she like went reeling backwards and the guy holding her, you know, I've got a shot in her neck. He's trying to keep her still, but he's pulling against her. And she, it was like, she's already panicking because there's a shot in her neck and then he's pulling on her. So it just made the whole thing way worse. And I like, I'm not blaming him one bit at all. I probably would have done the same thing had I been there, uh, been in his position. Um, but, what that did was made her feel trapped and then she just got more visceral in her reaction. And I was like, okay. So the next time, and also, you know, I'm a typically polite, like I don't like to tell people what to do. Um, but mama Jill and panicked Jill kicked in and I was like, okay, 
we're going to do this again. You're not going to pull on her. I want your hands nowhere near her face. Like, just hang on, essentially hang on to the end of the lead rope. And he had about, like, three or four feet of lead rope in his hands. And then <laughs> she was pretty much loose the rest of it. And I just spent a really long time, because um, I had to go get... What is it? I think demosidan as uh, a sedative. Um, so I had to give that orally um, to help her, you know, settle down. So maybe I could give her the shot and we're waiting on that. And as we're waiting, I just was like, okay, maybe I can get through these uh, successive approximations in this amount of time. So I was like rubbing her neck and pinching her with my fingernails and then scratching her and like just progressively pinched her for longer and like just did. But you can't replicate a needle in your neck with the tools I had. There was no way I could get that far. Um, And so she got to where she was non-reactive to me, pinching her neck pretty hard. Um, and I would scratch her and tell her she was such a good girl. And um, then I went to do the needle again. And she just even, she, her reaction was a lot less, um, you know, reactive. <laughs> I don't know. Like she didn't explode. Um, because when she pulled back and she realized there was no tension, she calmed down. So I think that helped a lot. But at the same time, like, you know, she was still no needle. <laughs> I think she was just in a lot of pain the first time. And that's why she, um, she let me stick her. Um, so anyway, we, um, we had to go for plan B and I had to give her no, the demosedan. Maybe that is the sedative. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think of everything that happened that night. So, um, I ended up having to give her the banamine after the demosedan, um, under her tongue, in her mouth, orally. And, um, then after a couple minutes, she seemed fine. And, um, you know, I was like, okay, I think we need to switch her with ruler and ruler was in the first paddock. So if you remember the first paddock has ruler, second paddock has Teddy and Lexi. And then third is the arena. And then fourth up is, uh, where like Twinkie and Shotzi were. And then behind, uh, from Lexi to Twinkie is that paddock that's got Doc and Leo in it. And, um, I was like, I think because the only variable that has changed is those horses that are in, um, behind her paddock and that paddock that they're in, um, Doc and Leo, it butts up against the woods. And I was like, okay, so that's the only thing that's changed. Why is that freaking her out? And I think it was because it was so close to the woods and she's used to listening to the woods. And if there's movement, she's on alert, you know, if there's a, coyote or something back there she's like okay i need to pay attention but when we put horses back there and it got dark then she was like constantly on guard and i think it just stressed her out and um i was like we need to switch ruler and these two and put her in where there's nobody behind her and then she didn't colic again so um all that to say um that was a very stressful and awful experience um but i am so glad that somebody taught me how or sunny taught me how to give shots because whoa that was not fun um and she doesn't live on the farm so um that would have been a long drive for her and it was easier for me to do it um but anyway um so that brings me to the point about the emotional state of the animal and how that impacts the physical so it's really easy with horses to assume that they're fine Um, because they're prey animals. So the thing about prey animals is, as we all know, they tend to internalize and they hide things. And when they're freaking out, it doesn't mean they have to be running around or panicking or being 
idiots. So Lexi, you know, when we first moved Doc and Leo behind her, she was running around and being a lunatic, but she calmed down and she relaxed and she was eating. But for whatever reason, it just never sat right with her. So she panicked and she just kept panicking. And we think what happened, um, according to one of our vets, is probably that she had... um, I, I heard it like third hand. Um, so I, I this will be a butcher if you're an, an anatomy or digestive geek. But where the big or the large intestine and the small intestine connect, there is like a little canal. And um, one of our vets was talking about that when they get really stressed out, that can get inflamed and they can get gassy and all that good stuff. And so she probably didn't have an impaction. But if she had kept rolling, um, which I don't think she had when I got out there, I think I got out there right when it started. Cause like I said, I was checking on her like every 30 minutes. Um, so when I got out there and she was on the ground, she wasn't rolling or thrashing or anything. So, um, anyway, I think she just had some gas, but if she had rolled, I think we would have ended up with a twist or something. And then that would have been fatal because we don't have a surgery center that, um, is super close to us. And we do, there is one vet that does surgery here, but, um, he like has to call everybody in there's, there's like not a set staff. Um, so thanks Arkansas, you suck. (laughs) Um, but anyway, so yeah, so we think she just had kind of like a gas cramp that hurt really bad, but I just didn't want it to escalate to a twist. Um, so Anyway, we moved her and she was totally fine and she's been good, um, knock on wood, ever since. And um, I really just think that it stressed her out. And so when they get really stressed and anxious and they just can't relax and settle down, that's where you end up with them causing ulcers or getting colic and things like that. And I think that's probably what happened with Zoe, uh, because if you guys don't remember, she coliced about two years ago. And, um, I think it was because of a, what we were feeding her. Cause God, it was like a sweet feed mix. Oy, why, why that horse does not need any sugar in her diet. <laughs> she is a stress bucket already. Um, so anything to help that is so powerful. So, um, cause I mean with Lexi, like we've done everything right with her, um, diet and health wise, but we changed the environment and I think she just got a little spooked at what was going on in the pasture behind her. And then she almost died. And um, so you better bet (laughs) that I am working with her. And uh, we're going to start working on not only getting her broke, but also needle phobia and being able to trailer. Um, So because those are huge things that every horse needs to be able to do. And she just missed out on that because she didn't go to the track. And then everybody just kind of forgot about her. And uh, we didn't realize she had a needle issue until she... um, uh, they had to like do Coggins and everything on her. And, um, (laughs) so bit of an issue there, but, um, I think it's because she had joint ill when she was younger. So she had to go spend like a month at the vet and they had to give her lots of shots and flush out her joints and her hocks, I think. Um, so she's totally fine now, but that was a lot of needles and I, I would be willing to put money on that. That's where that came from. And also, as I have said before, Though I love our vets as people, um, the one that she was with is is a cowboy vet of sorts, so um, it tends to be a bit 
mechanical in uh application <laughs> that um he's just like okay horse however we got to get this done we got to get it done and it's not very personable and i think with a really sensitive little bean like lexi you have to take your time and make sure that she's comfortable and i mean really with any horse in my opinion but especially the more sensitive guys you gotta you gotta take your time and be quiet and calm and not forceful and aggressive. And, um, you know, I wasn't there. I can only assume, but, um, that tends to be (laughs) the history would indicate that that is the case. So anyway, yeah, it is a huge thing to consider, especially with horses that they're so sensitive to environmental factors and they like their routine. And when one thing changes, you have to be aware of, how they're feeling and where they're at and really pay attention to them and make sure that they are comfortable and calm because then you can get a lot of those external issues. Because if I hadn't noticed um, that it was stressing her out to have those horses back there, you know, she might've colicked again and she would be dead. So, I mean, it's a huge, huge thing to pay attention to. And I'm not just talking about like, if you move horses, then you need to watch that the horses around it don't colic. That it's it's a one-off. But at the same time, you have to be aware that when you make changes or, you know, anything in the horse's world that could be stressing them out, you can have side effects like that. And I think in the horse industry, it's really common that we just pay attention to all of the physical stuff. Oh, my horse has ulcers. Okay, how do I fix it? How do I treat it? Okay, I got to do this round of gastro guard or whatever. Cool, let's do it. The end. Um, But you don't look at what could be causing it. And um, that happens way too often. And we it's almost like we wait until it's really bad (laughs) that we address it, because it gets scoffed at in the horse world to even consider that the the animals have emotions. And everyone knows horses are spooky animals. um, And they're quote unquote, unpredictable, but they're really not if you know them, and you pay attention, then they're very predictable in my experience anyway. Um, But they they have a fear response because they're prey animals. So it's so important to pay attention to their emotional state. And you can tell by looking at their faces, how are their nostrils set, their eyes? Do they look worried? Do they look anxious? Are they bugging out of their heads? Can you see the whites of their eyes if it's not, you know, a wall-eyed horse? But um, how are their ears looking? Is their tail pinched between their butt cheeks? How are they standing? What's their posture like? Are they relaxed or are they tense? You know, all of those things play into being able to read their emotional state. And you can only take a guess, but it it's pretty accurate most of the time. Um, there have been studies, I know connection training does a lot of panskeps work, um, where they look at the emotional systems of the horse. They're like, I haven't done as much research into that as I would like, but there's like fear, I think lust, rage, uh, uh, I forget what all the other ones are, but those, <laughs> those are the bad ones. Um, well, I guess lust isn't, uh, it could be, I don't know. It depends on your circumstance, but anyway, they do experience emotions. We know this science has shown that they experience emotions. And if you look at like Raquel Dreisman's book, she, the language signs and calming signals of horses, she talks a lot about how you can read their Um, body language and their behavior. And I think if you own a horse, interact with horses, or are interested in horses, that is a must read. It's so, so important to understand their body language and how to read them, but also how context applies and um, things of that nature. So 
Anyway, all of that to say that it is so important that we don't just overlook and pay attention to the overt, you know, signs that are in front of us. Like, oh, she's colicking. Okay, well, let's fix that and then call it a day. I was thinking, what is causing this? Why is she colicking? It's not her food because she's been fed the same exact thing all the time. It's not the weather because the weather's been pretty stable until now. Now the weather's changing all over the place. But, um, and I was like, obviously, I just moved horses today. So that is, that's what's causing this. It has to be. There's only one variable that's changed and nothing else would lend itself to her just colicking out of the blue when she's never colicked before. And then I thought about it and I was like, okay, how can we fix this? And we just took a chance swapping her paddocks where there was nobody behind her and she's totally fine. So just being able to acknowledge that there are they have emotions and they have feelings and that there are things that cause what they do instead of just addressing the actual problem. Like I said, with ulcers, you can fix the ulcers, but if you don't change what's causing them, they're going to come right back. Often the problem is the diet and the treatment. If you are constantly knocking a horse around, you're probably 10 out of 10, you got ulcers. Um, and, or if you're feeding a super high sugar diet, you probably got ulcers. Um, You know, I mean, the percentages in horses is astronomical, like most horses. uh, I think it's like, I want to say 90% of performance horses have ulcers. I'd have to fact check that. Um, I've been listening to a lot of different podcasts about it. And I do plan to do a deep dive on it uh, here soon. But like I said, I've been busy AF and I haven't had time. But um, it is... It's super, super important. Yeah, okay. So I pulled up the stats from the um, Feed Room Chemist podcast, one of the episodes I was listening to. Um, I think it's called like ulcers like or gastric ulcers or something. 95 to 99% of racehorses have ulcers. 60 to 65% of performance horses have them at least at some point. And 30% of leisure horses, like your pasture ornaments or trail riding horses, 30% of them have ulcers. So It's a huge deal. And to be able to address that, usually it's diet and, um, you know, compounded with a really stressful job. Yes, Wally? (laughs) Compounded with a really stressful job, like constant trailering or new environments and stuff. It can be really hard on them um, because when they get stressed emotionally, then you have problems physically. Um, Like the trailer ride itself, you can combat the physical causes, like their stomach acid sloshing around. There are lots of products out there that help, um, you know, keep their acid more basic um, or the pH level less acidic and more basic. Um, And you can also like have hay and water in in their stomachs that helps combat that as well. But um, if you're stressing them out emotionally, they're probably not going to eat, you know, and um, while those products may help, if you're not fixing the issue, which is their emotional state, and why they're stressed and freaking out, then you're, you're going to keep fighting an uphill battle. And the ball's going to keep rolling back down. What is that atlas in Greek mythology? (laughs) I don't know, a little rough on that one. But um, Yeah, so it's really important to consider those things and make sure that you're not just looking at it medically, but that you're also looking at it from a behavioral perspective and um, causation. (laughs) Why is it happening? Ask why always. And um, 
So, yeah, that is one of the things that I wanted to talk about and um, just really wanted to put that at the forefront of everybody's mind since it's at the forefront of mine that we just have got to do better about paying attention and thinking ahead of situations like that. Like there's so much more we could have done um, to prevent Lexi from going through that when we switched. I mean, there's no way we could have known that that would have worried her and no other horse on the farm. Um, she has not had a history of having literally any problem ever. So, um, except for that, the joint ill, but, um, you know, stomach wise, she's been very unproblematic and she's never worked a day in her life. So, um, you know, she's, we kind of like aren't concerned about her. And then, so to just to be mindful of things that go on and to make sure that you prep them appropriately before making a big change like that. Um, so yeah. Anyway, the other thing that I want to talk about is um, another change that has happened recently, and that was me losing one of my cats. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> not not the best circumstance ever, but, um, you know, I just, I always get questions about, you know, my non-equine animals, um, so I thought I would just talk about it because I, I do think it might be helpful in some aspect. But it, um, yeah, so I've been through a few second cats. So, um, you know, I've talked about before Myla, my dog, that, um, you know, I adopted her when I was living with my parents and I moved out here on the farm and had her for a while, um, like over a year. And then we started getting cats to combat our rat problem. <laughs> and, um, then at one point a mama cat and her kitten showed up and my boss was in love with this kitten. He was so cute. He was so weird looking, but he was so cute. And, um, I was getting ready for class one morning and I let Mila outside and I wasn't there. I didn't see what happened. And, um, Apparently, the kitten ran out of the barn and Myla just prey drive kicked on and she chased it and she killed it. Um, I did a whole episode on it, uh, like at the very beginning of season two. Um, so if you want to know what happened there, that's that. But anyway, essentially, Myla kind of got exiled from the farm and she lives with my parents now and um, they are waiting until I move and then she'll move in with me whenever I leave here. Um, but yeah, so... Not fantastic. And then I adopted Wally, my little orange cat. He is my soulmate. I love him so much. I am crazy cat lady. He's currently sitting in my lap in a very small chair. Um, so we're just chilling. But um, yeah, so I needed to get a buddy for him. And um, it just, it kept not working out. Like one of them was just, they just didn't really get along. And then I tried for one of the barn cats and he just wanted to be outside, you know, because I mean, he lived his whole life outside and he was like, um, can I go back out though? <laughs> um, so the first one did end up becoming a barn cat. Um, and she hangs out with all the other cats. They love being outside. So I did not do anything mean. I promise. I know some people have some issues with barn cats, but, um, ours are given a second home. <laughs> um, and anyway, I was like, you know, it'll give me an opportunity to adopt. So, um, I went to a local place and went to look for a buddy for Wally and I found this cat named Archie and well, actually his name was Twinkle. I named him Archie. <laughs> um, and he was this really cool looking cat. Um, but 
um, I loved him when we were at the at the shelter, but then I got him home and he just was really, really introverted. Like he stayed in my closet for a week. Like I put a litter box and food and water in there and he just would not move from where he was. And I was like, uh, this isn't great. Don't love that this is happening. <laughs> um, so I just kind of waited it out because the internet said that that was normal. Um, and so eventually he started coming out of his shell and then he was great. And him and Wally kind of got along, but while like just anytime I would have like I would be sitting and petting Wally and Archie would walk up, Wally would just run the opposite direction. I don't think he liked him very much for whatever reason. Um, but he just anytime I was with Wally or Archie tried to like come up to Wally, um, Wally just did not like him and he would just run away. And I was like, okay, I don't know how to fix this. Um, so then all the problems started. So um, I don't know. I think I've talked about it before, so I'll keep it brief. Brief, But essentially, Archie got sick. I don't know what happened. I'd had him for a few months at the time, and um, he just started throwing up, like, multiple times every day. And it was usually just water, sometimes food if he had just eaten, but usually it was just, like, stomach acid and ick. And he just kept doing it. And then he started having diarrhea, and I was like, oh, my God. So I called my vet, took him. And ended up spending like $700 worth of vet bills on trying to figure out what was wrong with him. Every single test I ran came back as he was perfectly healthy. And to top it all off, when he was at the vet, he didn't throw up or have diarrhea. And I was like, what? Um, so they gave me some antibiotics to put him on. And I brought him home. And we did all everything that we were supposed to do. And he got better. And I changed to a different food that was better, and he was fine for a couple months. And then just, um, God, I can't remember my timeline. I think it was in July he started throwing up again. And um, I had watched him wither away into nothing the first time. And um, so this time I was like, okay, <laughs> this, is a, this is not happening again. And this time it was much worse because the diarrhea came back and he just started vomiting like crazy. Like it was an absurd amount every day, like 15 to 20 times in one day. And it didn't slow down. And I was like, I don't know what to do. I am out of money. I cannot spend $700 again on trying to fix this cat. And I felt so bad because I was like $700 on a horse. I'd be like, here we go. But, um, and I guess that's just a double standard. But, um, I was just like, I've already spent so much money and they don't know what's wrong with them and I don't know what to do. And then I started thinking about it and I, I wonder if it's just the location because he always ate bugs <laughs> like every because I live on a horse farm. Bugs fly in my house all the time. And not to mention, it's not the best house in the world. It's not sealed particularly well. So bugs get in all the time. And also there are lots of weird you know, plants and allergies and horses and stuff. So I, I didn't know if he was maybe allergic, but um, I don't know if that has anything to do with um, digestive issues, but, I, or maybe it was because Wally didn't particularly like him and maybe he was just stressed and um, it was coming out of him, literally. Um, so I called the shelter and I talked to them and they were like, we totally hear you. You've done everything right. You know, um, if 
like, we can't do anything. We can't take him back. And I was like, okay, well, I mean, I'm going to give him a couple more days, but I'm not going to watch him wither away and lose weight and suffer. And if I have to, you know, if he doesn't get better, I'm going to have to take him to the vet and have them euthanize him. And it, oh God, that was such a hard week because I just did not want to do that because he was such a cool little cat. And um, it just, it sucked. And having to make that decision, like, just, oh, God, no. Um, but uh, the next day, the lady from the cat rescue called me, and she was like, hey, actually, I just found out that we have this thing called a good neighbor fund where people make donations specifically for things like this. And since you've done everything you can for him, we're going to let you do this. So essentially, they were like, just bring him back to us. And... um you know, you'll just temporarily release him to us, but we won't adopt him out or anything. And, um, you know, just give him to us and we'll pay for his vet bills and uh, run all the tests and see if we can't get him healthy. And I was like, oh my God, that would be awesome. Thank you so much. And uh, then they told me <laughs> that he, it would be, uh, I think six weeks that they would be running tests on him. And I was like, oh, God, um, because Wally is used to having a buddy. Even if he didn't like him, it was still something else in the house. And he got so clingy. Like, he just, he was in my lap constantly. He was following me around the house howling. And, I mean, you know, I have to go work with the horses outside, and I'm gone for hours. Or I had class, and he just... Like, I'd be stuck at my computer working on stuff, and he was just so sad and lonely, and he was just, like, and eventually, after he stopped being super clingy, he just kind of laid around and just, like, looked sad, <laughs> and I know this cat through and through because he is the equivalent of a heart horse, and um, so, anyway... I was like, I don't think I can wait six weeks of Wally being by himself. He is so lonely and he needs a buddy. And I'm really concerned that um, Archie just doesn't thrive in this environment because they told me that he had not had diarrhea. He had had solid poops. He had not thrown up once. And at my house, he was throwing up like five times a day. Uh, I mean, 15 times a day. Um, so I was like, how do you go from throwing up that much to not at all. And uh, to some degree, like, maybe he was internalizing and he was in a new environment, so he was, like, holding everything in. But, like, I don't think so. And I'll explain why. Because <laughs> um, they said he was loving on everybody and he was so, like, he just seemed like he was totally fine. All their tests came back negative. And, um, you know, a few weeks went by. And actually, a few days ago, the lady texted me because I, I ended up um, releasing him to them uh, for full custody and to, so that they could adopt him out because I was like, something's not right here. Like, I, I don't know if it's Wally or if it's something in the air that's making him sick. I don't know what it is, but he is not doing well. And I think if he comes back, he's going to get worse again because it's happened twice now. And it's not fair to him for me to just keep him if he's keeps getting sick and he was doing so well everywhere that wasn't here. Um, so I released him to them and, um, the lady actually just texted me a few days ago and she sent me a picture that he'd been adopted out and she said that he absolutely loves his new buddy. Um, <clears throat> he went to this nice family that has, um, another cat and they act like they've known each other for their whole lives and he's not being shy or weird or anything like that. She sent me lots of pictures of them playing. So I am extremely happy for him. It, as bad of a pet owner as that made me feel to have to 
That's like my second or, well, I guess if you count the two barn cats <laughs> that I brought in, um, you know, it made me feel like a bad pet owner. Cause I, but, but I mean, like, I'm trying to do the best thing for the animal because I, I want them to thrive and not be, um, you know, sick. And also it's not like it wasn't a humane society that I was giving them back to. They like specialize in rescues and they have lots of long-term ones. And I, as much as I hate to take up a spot, you know, after I've adopted him and made that commitment, I just, I felt like I was doing him a disservice by keeping him because something was wrong in the environment here, whatever that was, because now he's totally fine and he's thriving somewhere else. And I was like, that is absolutely absurd, but maybe he's allergic to horses. I don't know. But regardless he has moved out so you will not hear <laughs> that very loud tell meow uh in the background anymore but um yeah so that was that was really hard letting go and trying to make uh an unselfish decision in the best interest of the animal um you know i hated to do it because i was like i'm giving up an animal that i made a commitment to but at the same time like i think i'm hurting him by keeping him and I guess that was the right decision because now he is thriving and playful and loves that other cat. So I'm glad, glad he found him a home and I also got to save another life. So it was a weird circumstance. So while all that was going on with Archie after I, um, you know, gave them custody of him, I don't know if that's the right word, but I released him to them. He, um, I started looking for a buddy for Wally because I was like, okay, well, now I need to make Wally not so alone. So I went to like three different humane societies and they were all sick. Like all of their cats were sick. And for some reason, like I was like, I just spent so much money on a cat that was sick and I want to save one of these bad boys so bad, but I just, I can't, I can't risk it. And I didn't want Wally to get sick because Wally is my pride and joy. And, um, you know, so I was like, this sucks. And then, um, my boss on Facebook saw that there was a, a humane society up in North Little Rock, which is like an hour and a half away from us. And she was like, they said that they don't have any space and that they're about to start having to euthanize cats because they can't, they can't keep up with all the ones that are coming in. And she was like, I really think we should go up there and look. And I was like, okay, I'm going to feel like shit if I don't connect with one. And, you know, I leave without a cat and I'm like sentencing it to death. Um, so we go to this humane society and, um, I'm looking around and then I, I spotted the one and I was like, yes, it happened. Um, but it was a girl. Oops, sorry. My computer's on. Um, it was a girl and I was like, ah, I wanted a boy cat. because <laughs> um, I, while he's a boy, I just, I was like, that would be easier. Um, but anyway, so I spotted Millie was her name and I was like, that's the one we're taking that one. And my boss was trying so hard to get me to get a different one. And I was like, nope, it already happened. I'm stuck. I'm sorry. Um, so, you know, I got the adoption and they were like, you're going to have to come back. Um, cause they wouldn't let me leave with her without getting her fixed first. And so, um, I had to go back <laughs> like, a, uh, four days later, I think after the vet came and spayed, um, and neutered everybody, um, which sucks because, you know, they weren't, they weren't doing that because they were going to have to euthanize them. But the good news is there were like four other people in there that I know adopted cats and I kept up with their Facebook. So I don't think anybody had to get euthanized, which is awesome. Um, so I go back and I go to pick up Miss Millie and they hand 
her back to me and I was like, cool. And so I made the drive home in like a torrential downpour and, um, it's got a crate all set up and everything. And, uh, you know, the next day when she was woken, cause I didn't know, uh, cause they didn't give her any shots or anything. So I was like, okay, well, she's going to have to stay in a crate for a little bit, uh, because I don't want her to get Wally sick. Um, but she seemed healthy. Like the kids, the kittens at the humane societies, they all had like snotty noses and were sneezing and coughing. And this one, I played with it for a while and didn't seem to have anything. And I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to make sure that, uh, we don't got any problems, so I made an appointment with my vet and just kept her in the kennel until I went to the vet, and then um, there was a litter box and food and water in there, everybody, so just, I was just trying to do the good thing, um, and I would shut the door to my room and leave Wally in there and play with her for a little while, and then, so um, I, before my vet appointment, I noticed that, um, you know, I was just like looking, and I was like, that does not look like a small kitten vagina does not look like lady parts and i was like this kitten might be a boy <laughs> yeah there's no incision on the stomach or anything like that and then sunny came over my boss and she was like this is a boy <laughs> this is a boy cat and i was like oh god and i took him to the vet it's definitely a boy so uh millie who was then astrid uh then became zuko so <laughs> and more avatar nerdiness but um because we've already got miss azula the little filly but um yep so now i have zuko he had a clean bill of health and is like i love him to death he is the best cat um you know right behind wally of course um but anyway so i think it all worked out pretty well. I got to save Zuko and make sure that he didn't, um, you know, end up getting euthanized because uh, they were overfilled. It just makes me so sad. Um, and they were a no-kill shelter, too, but they were like, we don't have any room. Um, so it sucks. But, yep, we I saved him. Archie got a new home that was more conducive for his health. And Lexi is alive. And it's just been a really stressful couple of months, but also, like super awesome because good things keep happening. So I think we're on the upswing. I'm really happy about it. Um, but yeah, so that was my cat and horse story. Um, but I think, like I said, it's just so important to consider why things are happening, you know, cause I mean, with Archie, I was so worried that it was like a congenital defect and that he just had something that was wrong with him, but apparently not. He and I, I would have had to put him to sleep if they hadn't taken him back, which, and that makes me so sad in hindsight, because I'm like, okay, well, he was totally fine. He just didn't work in my house. Oh, God, it makes me so sad. But anyway, thankfully, they took him and now he has a wonderful home. And, um, you know, those are the tough decisions. And, um, you know, it's so easy when you're a kid <laughs> to just be like, no, we can just keep paying and, you know make him better and pay all the vet bills. But when you make your own money and you have to manage it and then suddenly that becomes a problem. And I have money budgeted for the animals, but I didn't have $700 set aside for cat vet bills. Um, so anyway, I just, it was, it was a tough call. There's no right answer, but I think it worked out in literally the best way it could have. So Anyway, I think I'm going to wrap up this episode because I am tired and I have homework and another Zoom meeting with a professor in a couple hours and I've got to get my homework done before then. <laughs> but um, 
Yeah, so I hope that this podcast episode made you guys think about something. Um, you know, at least consider how your animals are doing and pay attention to them and be sure that, you know, you're aware of how their environment and the things around you are impacting them, um, including diet, nutrition, that sort of thing, and also um, their physical environment, like pasture mates, who they're near, um, how much room they have, what kind of grazing access they have, um, you know, all of those things, super, super important for health. And yeah, so anyway, with that, I think I'm going to wrap up this episode. If you would like to keep up with us on social media platforms, you can follow me at Jet Equitheory and Equitheory on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, except for Equitheory. It's not on Twitter. It's just Jet Equitheory. Um, but yeah, so there's that. And then I'm working on my website. Eventually, I will have all the information that I can find on nutrition and hoof health all organized nice and neat for you on my website. I'm working on it. It's coming. Um, that is jetequitheory.com. But I think that is going to be the end of this episode. Um, become a patron if you want to support or have a specific question you want to ask. And beyond that, be sure you subscribe so you can follow, you know, you can listen to all the episodes. Um, but yeah, okay. I'll stop saying, um, and, but yeah, <laughs> so, thank you guys for listening. I will catch you all next Tuesday. Bye.